Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 72 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest today is such a party. He and I have had so much fun. I'm excited to let you in on it. Tom Poland, welcome to my show. Hey, Esty. Good to be here. I'm so excited. We, we're Guys, you are in for a real treat today. So Tom is the best-selling author of the Leadsology series, and he has started and sold numerous businesses with multi-million dollar revenues. And he tells me that he is voluntarily married to a pretty German Frau who he affectionately refers to as his little Bavarian bulldozer. And he lived quietly and happily on the sand next to the waves in a little castaway beach in Queensland, Australia, which explains the awesome accent that you're in for a treat with. Tom, I love that. I think it's just such a great introduction to you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it describes uh, uh, the three big parts of my life, which is my, my work, Leadsology, my wife, uh, and um, our little, little place here next to, the, next to the waves at Castaways Beach. I love that. So yeah, Leadsology, I love that you made your own word, because um, I also like to make up words a lot, as you already know. What is Leadsology? Like, I want to hear the story. I want to hear a whole lot of stuff from you. But first, what what do you okay. make up the word for? What is it? Well, I made, I made it up because having cracked the lead generation code, inbound marketing, I figured there was actually more of a science than anything else. And of course, we have you know, psychology, the, the scientific study of the mind. We have biology, the, the study of living species. And so I, I wanted to send a signal that this thing actually was a bit of a science. It, it, as a science, it could be tested, it could be trialed, it could be measured, and it could be taught. So... So first of all, it's Leedsology because it is a bit of a science. Uh, what it does is it creates a flow every week of inbound new client inquiries. I think that sounds good. Guys, you're listening. Yeah, you're nodding your heads. You're like, I want some of that. So before mm -hmm. we even go deeper, can you like sneak peek us right here? What is it? Like give us a breakdown, you know, all the stuff that people pay you for, like give it to us for free. What's the system? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, well, if, well, if you, you know, the, the, the toughest nut to crack with any business is getting consistent flow of new clients coming in, you know, high quality new clients, eager, eager to pay you money for, for your services, products, et cetera. So, and the, and, I mean, people say that, that nothing happens in a business until something is sold. I, I think that's quite true. But when you think about it, you don't get to sell anything until someone makes an inquiry, until a lead is generated. So to me, lead gen is the pointiest of the pointiest end of the whole business. It doesn't matter how well you've got your ducks in the row in terms of customer service or product integrity or, or financial management. If you don't have a consistent flow of new leads coming in, then you've got a lot of insecurity around, around your, the financial security and prosperity more to, to a point uh, of your business and therefore of your life, especially if you're the, the primary breadwinner in your family. Going a little further, um, I've probably already alluded to this, but Leadsology is about inbound marketing as, a, as distinct from either outbound marketing or selling. So selling is what you have to do when your marketing sucks. Um, if, you, <laughs> if you're doing your marketing well and you're putting the right offer and articulating in the right way in front of the right person, inquiries come in. So well, I, call, I call that, yeah, that to me is marketing, but that is what it is. Yeah, exactly. It's well to me. It's about inbound leads. Uh, it's not about interrupting people. It's about intersecting people with the right offer. 
Um, and the, the analogy I use for that is if you imagine a forest full of uh, bears, we've got a hundred sleeping bears in that forest and the bears are a metaphor for your ideal clients and you want them to eat your honey, which is a metaphor for your product or service. You've got a couple of options. You can go running through that forest with a big, sharp, pointy stick and jab each bear in the bum as you find it and wake them up and then or like wave your honey pot in front of their nose. And if they're one of the three hungry bears, then they'll eat your honey instead of you. But if they're not, they're just going to get really at you and have a swipe at you. And that's not a bad metaphor for cold calling and for selling as such, where we're disturbing a bunch of people without knowing in advance whether they have, if they're hungry for our product or not. And what marketing does by contrast is it just puts the honey pot quietly outside the forest. And the hundred sleeping bears of the hundred, the three that are actually hungry will wake up and smell the honey because they smell the honey and they'll come out of the forest. And that's, that's not a bad metaphor for, for inbound new client inquiries. That's okay. at a strategic big picture level. That's what it looks like. That's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. I'm excited to get deeper into the technicalities. So how did you come to this? What is your background? Where have you, how long have you been doing this for? Uh, yeah, great question. Thick end of 40 years now. So, so the origin of Legology started. I've been here. Okay, yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, this is a long time. <laughs> Were you born then? Um, I know. So, I was. I am not forty yet. I was not born then. <laughs> I mean, I'm so. sure it looks very different now than it did then well, as well. There's no question the landscape's changed, and uh, you know because we've got this little thing called the internet that you might have noticed. Um, but the, the principles haven't changed, and. The principles of marketing is that you intersect someone who would make an ideal client and an ideal client has, is aware of the need for your service. It may not be aware of your brand or you personally, but they're aware of the need for your service. In my case, it's, it's, it's lead gen. Lead gen. Uh, the timing is perfect and they've got the money to pay you. So that's an ideal client, as we call them ideal. They don't get excited about what you've got and then say, well, call me back next, next, next spring because I'm not quite ready. They're, right, they're, they're ready to start and they've got the money and they are looking for a solution. That's the ideal client. So we intersect that person with the right offer and, and they make the inquiry and they buy. So when I was, you know, thinking to 40 years ago, uh, when I was in my early twenties, I started my first business and it didn't take me long to figure out that with all the overhead going out every week, if we had holes in our, our new client appointment calendar or our, our client delivery calendar, we were losing money real quick. So I set on a, a mission to figure this thing called marketing out and I sat at the feet of many masters and bought many books and went to many workshops. And I want I think more I'm details. Good... What was the company? What did it do? What masters? What books? Uh, we were we were in financial services. I had my own brokerage, okay. and you know we had an office with receptionists and desks and people running around and salespeople and so on. So, so it was it was it was a real business. It wasn't global, of course, because in those days we didn't have the internet. And so, but, um, there's a stock trading type, like what? Um, Yes, shares, financial planning. Okay. Well, before we knew what financial planning, before we called it financial planning. Um, Got it. Life insurance, a full, full range of- All that stuff. Uh, trust, buy, sell agreements. There was some illegal division and so on. <laughs> so so we, we call these things different names now and they've diversified, but essentially it was finding people who had money who wanted to protect it or grow it. Got it. Yeah. That breaks it down better. Understood. Okay. And so okay, we got a fancy uh, office. We have receptionist. So did you go to school for finance? Did you go to school for business? Like no, I didn't. I want to no. know how this happened. Like, did you just wake up one day and you were like, Hey, I could use some money. Don't want to work in McDonald's. I know. Let me open a financial services brokerage. Like that doesn't usually happen. Well, actually a friend of mine had started 
a, a brokerage year before and had done really well. And uh, I was inspired by him. So I thought, well, I figured if he was, I mean, you know, young and, young and naive, I had no idea what was involved. I mean, I was, I think I was 23, maybe at the time, maybe 24, uh, you know, gung ho. Uh, yeah, I can do this. Roll your sleeves up, get stuck in. If, if I'd known all the pitfalls, I probably never would have started. But sometimes that's an advantage. Sometimes ignorance, you know, can, can be an advantage. You know, I, I had two things going in my favor, I think. One, I was ignorant. And second, I was broke. So um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any presumptions around having been to some sort of, you know, financial they services. They have a lot to lose. Th those places literally works. didn't exist. You know, they just didn't exist. You know, universities didn't have those sort of courses back then. Totally. So being, being ignorant, I, I made no assumptions about what would work and what wouldn't work. So I, I sat at the feet of a lot of people and tried to figure it out. And being broke, I was hellish motivated. I mean, I literally had three mortgages and I just started a family. Oh, wow. Um, we Why do you have three mortgages? Well, in, the, in those days, that's what you did. You got a first mortgage from one bank, a second mortgage from a second bank, and a third mortgage from a lawyer. Oh, my gosh. And they were charging, get this, 24% on that third <sighs> mortgage. Um, so we'd gone from two-income family, no kids, and no mortgage, uh, to buying a house. I mean, literally within 90 days, we'd had a kid, bought a house, got three mortgages, uh, and I'd started this, this new freaking business, which was going to be this, this gold mine. And of oh course, gosh. it wasn't to start with. And I can tell you horror stories. I mean, I ended up starting a second business to get cash and to fund the, the first, first business. It <laughs> was a security business. And so I'd have, I'd go out to an amusement park from like 10 p.m. through 6 a.m. and do the security patrols. I, I would hire people to do this after a little while, but I would, I, and, and the, <laughs> I don't know how far you want to go down this particular rabbit I like, hole. I, I like this rabbit hole. I'm having the long and short of it was I ended up working 16 to 20 hours a day to get through, to dig myself out of this massive hole that I'd got in. Um, the second business, the security business is a whole story in itself. And eventually I sold that and moved back full time into the financial services business. But I, I guess, I guess the point, you know, we started talking about where did Leadsology come from? We it, did, it because this is the story behind the story. This first business. And, and I sat at the feet of the masters and bought the books and went to the seminars and did all the workshops and came you back. You didn't tell and me which masters. You didn't tell me which books and which workshops. The Ma marketing strategies. The oh, people, people are long since dead. People like Bob, Bob Stone. Okay. Uh, who was one of the original direct, direct mail. I mean, direct mail was very big in those days because you didn't have faxes. You didn't have mobile phones. You didn't have the internet. Right. Um, advertising was expensive. Um, you know, there were like three, radio, three TV stations in the whole country. Um, you know, things have changed just a tad since then. So direct marketing, direct, sending out 10,000 direct letters every week was, was a cornerstone of our marketing at that point. Wow. Um, so I, I, you know, I did all that stuff. And what I found is that I struggled just to even break even on our marketing costs. So marketers haven't changed. You know, Seth, Seth Godin wrote that great little book called All Marketers Are Liars. And the longer I've been in this game, the more I appreciate the, the truth behind that title. Um, so if you, if you buy a course from a marketer, it's a pretty good chance it's been overhyped or it's been hyped full stop, exaggerated, in other words, the benefits. So I mean, the easiest person to, to sell in the world is a salesperson, right? So, you know, I'd buy all these courses and do these workshops and get all enthusiastic about the next course and the next, and this was the one, this next one, that was the one, <laughs> for whatever reason. That, that explains so much back. to me, actually, because people come into my course and they're so shocked that it's valuable. I'm like, what, did you think I was lying? And they're <laughs> yes. like, yeah. And they're really surprised. And I guess that I never thought about it like that, but I guess people do assume if a marketer sells you a marketing course, they must be over-exaggerating. But 
I hear that, but why is a salesperson easy to sell? Uh, I find I, that I'm, I'm the hardest person to sell because I'm a marketer. So I, I, I think salespeople, are, the good salespeople are by, by very nature optimistic. I hear. And they're very yeah. thick skinned and they just like, oh yeah, this looks good. Okay. Yeah. We'll try that. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't, okay. That makes sense. The, they're, not, they're typically not long-term planners. You know, I, I call right. them, you know, we've had this conversation about cats and dogs before. Yes. I call, you know, the entrepreneur, the business owner, the salesperson, they're all dogs in my, in my world, the dogs are, the dog is a metaphor. The reason I use dogs and cats just for the folk who haven't heard that before is that dogs like to bark, cats like to meow. We've got to match the marketing method and we've got to match our occupation with our natural personal personality, our style. Yeah. Uh, so if dogs are big picture thinkers, they like working with people, even though they might be introverts outside of work. They like working with people, they have ideas, they make products, they make service, they got to get up and go. Cats, on the other hand, love five-year cash flow spreadsheets and they want the detail. They want they want the, you know, they're, they're happy to be persistent with the same thing. They can't stand it until a thing is finished. A dog, on the other hand, starts seven things at once and struggles to finish two of them. So we're, we're and, optimistic. And he never does, never finishes anyone. Never, no, well, you, get other, you, have, you have to hire a cat to exactly. do the meowing and finish the darn thing off. Yes. Um, and you'll find this in, in couples. A lot of one of them will be a dog, optimistic, and the other is sort of like, blah, blah, the negative person. You know, well, that's just what cats do. Cats meow. You shouldn't expect to do anything else. So... So I think that's why salespeople and marketing people buy stuff very quickly and easily is because we're more spontaneous and we're positive and we have hope. But this experience that I had, I thought I, I was, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me who's buying all these marketing and sales courses and implementing and not getting much of a result. I mean, I, you know, there was one maybe or two that, that, that liberal results and don't ask me what they were because it's 40 years ago, Esty. Fair enough. I'll stop. I'll uh, stop. Because you I'm, called I'm me sure a dog cat. And I still use that. So you get my dog and you get my cat. My cat is the one that wants all those details. Yeah, yeah. So if you do a web page, you want to have the dog stuff in the top of the fold. Real quick, dirty summary, executive summary. And the cats want to read on for another 12 pages, put that under the fold. But my point is that this experience I had of buying marketing and sales courses and implementing and not getting much of a result, turns out that's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's universal. And it just didn't happen. start in 2019. It's been going on for decades, if not centuries, with people selling snake oil and, you know, hoping it's a cure-all for everything. Uh, so and that's how Leadsology started. Leadsology started because I finally quit going to the conferences, workshops, and seminars and buying everyone else's books and implementing and saying, I've got to figure this freaking thing out myself. And, and bear in mind that almost all people who are offering marketing programs and courses were saying, well, look, if you've got a business, I'll show you how to get leads. So it didn't matter if that business was chiropractory selling cars, selling real estate, a consultancy, um, these days software development or software, it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I'll show you how to get leads. And the truth is that if you're selling a physical product, it's a completely different marketing method to selling something that's a service or something that's invisible. And it's the difference between selling a washing machine and proposing marriage. And so <laughs> okay. that's, that's also the genesis of leadsology. It's a recognition that if we are selling what is effectively an ongoing relationship because we're delivering a service or we're developing software or we have ideas to implement. We've got to have some dates with this person before we propose marriage. Yes. Yeah, so I know you talk about dating your clients. Um, so tell, tell us a little more about that, this, this whole marriage proposal system oh, okay. for getting leads. Well, let me, let me start up with a, with a short true story. I was having coffee in the kitchen with my wife with, with dinkies, you know, dual income, no kids. So it was just the two of us. We, 
talk, uh, which is nice. <laughs> Some couples don't. I see my husband occasionally. You know, I, I, I had this brain sneeze. You know, this this thing you you say and it comes out of your mouth and you think, God, that's ugly. But anyway, it did. And I said to, him, Oh, hey, tell you what, this is an interesting question. Who would you say is the world's most irresistible man? This is me asking. I feel my like wife. everyone, yeah, this is like not the kind of thing you want to so ask. So stupid, right? I feel like this is and, like, a, guys, don't try this at home. <laughs> Anyway, she looks, she looks back at me. She flatters her eyelids. You know, she's holding a cup of coffee. And she goes, well, of course you are, Tom. Yes, right. 63 years old, bald, wrinkled, pop belly. Who couldn't go for that, right? I said, no, no, no. Come on, tell me. Come on. Come, you can tell me. You can trust me. We love each other and blah, 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 blah. She, she said, anyway, in the end, she came up with Hugh Jackman. Right? Yes, the I guy mean, the from, guys, um, what's the, there was something Marie. recent. No, I don't even know what that is. Um, well, the Greatest yeah. Showman. Yes, and... Uh, and also Les Miserables. But I don't know all the other stuff. And, uh, you know, in Australia and lots of movies. And the, guy, the guy's got a body Adonis would die for. He's, he's got these chiseled facial features. He's, he's got hair. So that's a big advantage over me for a start, bastard. And he makes like a million bucks a week. And he's a philanthropist. And he's community-minded. He's not environmentalist. This is the complete human being, right? Gotcha. And so I go, Yeah. I get that. He would be pretty irresistible. So then second brace, brain sneeze. Not, I said, what if there was like a knock at the front door right now and you put your coffee down you went over to that front door and you have swung it open there with Hugh Jackman standing before you. He drops to one knee. He holds up a small red velvet box. He flips the top open. There in the sun sparkling is a $10 million diamond ring. And he says to you, look, you don't know me, but my name's Hugh Jackman. Would you make me the happiest man on earth? Would you run away with me now and marry me and live with me for the rest of my life? I said to my wife, what would you say to Hugh Jackman? She goes, well, Tom, you know I love you, right? <laughs> this is the first clue that the answer was not going to be what I was hoping for. She said, I'm sorry. She's like, she's burst out. She said, I'm sorry, but I'd marry him. It's you freaking Jackman. I think that's very awkward. Even that, like, I, I don't know that I would. That would creep me out. That would be very well, weird. Well, I can confirm my wife would, and she's a very honest and very direct person. Fair enough. So I guess to each their own. I'd be a little creeped out, but, but I hear that not everyone would. Yes. Anywho, so I said to her, <laughs> wiping a tear out of my eye, of course, I said to her, you know, I'm thinking about this, and I, I think if I'd answered the front door and Hugh Jackman had proposed to me, I think I would have gone as well, and I'm not even gay. <laughs> He's that good. So moral of the story behind that is that we are not the commercial equivalent of Hugh Jackman. We can't just go to a business networking meeting and thrust our business card on the hands of a perfect stranger and hope, or even suggest that they should talk to us about becoming a client, because that is Hugh Jackman marketing. Billboards, Hugh Jackman marketing, call this number to get a free coaching or whatever. Um, you know, direct mail, 10,000, call this number if you want XYZ, SEO optimization. It's all Hugh Jackman marketing and it doesn't work. We've got to create this opportunity for people to, as you put it, date us if you like. And I, I believe there's four levels of what I call psychological allure. We've got to establish before we propose this person talks to us about becoming a client, before we even make them an offer, we've got to establish rapport, which is a click, click, click thing. We've got to establish respect for our professional ability, it, more specifically our ability to deliver on the promise that we, we're making to the marketplace. So we've got rapport, respect, relatability. They have to feel like we understand their situation, their needs and where they want to get to. And finally, reciprocity. And reciprocity is, I believe, the most least spoken about and yet the most powerful marketing force on the planet where people want to keep 
the giving score even. We do something cool for someone, give them some great value, turn some light bulbs on for them, help them. They will want to buy from you rather than anyone else because of reciprocity. Okay. So explain how you build that. Well, it's, that is a great question. The, the way we do it, and I know you like specifics because you want to give value to your audience. The way we do it is we get them onto an online meeting. And people might refer to these as webinars, but they're not, they're not always necessarily a webinar as such. But it's an online meeting, and we, ask, we invite them to spend an hour with us so that we can establish the respect, the rapport, the relatability, and the reciprocity. And then we lead them through what I call a persuasion sequence. And it's a persuasion sequence for those people in the audience who are looking for what we've got. Um, there's eight objectives we achieve during that one hour. Uh, this is in my last book, Marketing the Invisible. We lay it out in more, more in, in, in finer detail than we'd have time for today. But we want a demonstration. Well, let, let's, let, me, let me speak as if I'm talking to one of our listeners, okay? We want you to be able, in that hour, to have a demonstration of your ability to deliver on the value which you've got in the title. The title should be benefit-rich. With, with mine, it's a, it's a demonstration of how... How, how my clients in 27 cities and 15 different time zones around the world are enjoying a weekly flow of high quality inbound new client inquiries. So that's the title. Very benefit rich. Very benefit rich and very targeted at a specific kind of audience. The use of the word clients, the fact that you show all the different time zones. So it's very clear that it doesn't matter where you are, all of those details. Um, the fact yeah. that you're talking about new leads. So it's, it's, targeting a very specific stage in business um, where they need that, all of that. It's, it's a filter. I love it. Yeah. The riches are in the niches, right? Um, yes. So, so, the, so the benefit rich title and, and that that's the value proposition, but then we, but then we need to have a demonstration, which is objective number one, a demonstration of your ability to be able to deliver on the promise that was embedded in that title. So that's the, the number one, objective of any online presentation, assuming it's a marketing style presentation, not a training which is a presentation, which is a very different beast. The number one objective is the demonstration of your ability to deliver on the prompts and the title. It doesn't matter what sort of fancy pants bonuses or scarcity stuff you do. Um, if you fail to demonstrate clearly and unequivocally that you have the ability to deliver on the prompts and the title, you have failed in your entire presentation. Bonuses, uh, scarcity, uh, is a compensation for a poor value proposition. So I'll say that okay, again. But doesn't to... it layer on top of a rich value proposition? Yes, it's like cream on the cake. Right. Yes. So, no, so it's definitely the icing on a cake because you could have all the scarcity and all the all the icing you want, but if it's on a cardboard box, it ain't gonna sell. Yeah. So we've it's 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 normally bonuses and scarcity is normally a compensation for a value proposition that has not been well thought out and has not been tested. If you get the title right and you put it in front of people, this is like the honeypot outside the forest, then they will come and they will come regardless of whether you offer them a bonus for attending. And frankly, if anyone is oh, attending, that's what you're talking about bonuses and scarcity. I thought you were talking about bonuses and scarcity when you're selling. You're saying people will get bonuses just for attending. Yeah, you know, a lot of people offer bonuses as an attendance bonus. When you when you turn up to our webinar, we'll show you how to get X Y Z checklist down. You know, whatever. Ah, uh, see, I do that, but I only tell people about it when they're there already. Oh, okay. I don't tell them in advance. When they're You're there, right. I tell them in the first few minutes. By the way, if you stick with me for the whole thing, because I want you to get the total picture, I'll give mm. you this download that helps you yep. sum up 
the total yeah. it's 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 called a stick a yes. stick strategy so we want them to stick to the end when you think about that one and i'm not saying i'm not saying don't do it i'm just saying make sure that it is genuinely cream on the cake you're not compensating for a lack of quality oh, for cake. Sure. so but if you if you think about the stick bonus what's the, what's the objective of that to have them hang around to the end right where we make our offer okay so if the content is engaging and it's valuable and it's interesting and maybe it's even humorous they will stick around regardless if uh, again cream on the cake you know Correct. it's not a compensation for a poor quality cake no none Where of if, it will if, be yeah if our presentation is boring and lacks value then they're not going to stick around regardless of the bonus. No, they don't not. want your bonus because your bonus is going to feel like garbage too. So it yeah. won't help. And this yeah. is exactly where I find people fail so much with the tactics because they see a bunch of tactics and then yeah. they go and try. And that's what we talk about the iceberg and the light switch and all, all those funny things, the fire bell, all these examples. It's the same thing. Exactly what you're saying. You can give every bonus, every deal, every sale, every everything. But if you're selling garbage, no one's buying it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, by all means, lie, lie, you know, offer these things. Um, they will help a little bit. But if we look at 80-20, you know, the 80-20 principle, 20% of what we do in that presentation is going to give us the 80% of the result. So let's get that 20% right. And we're going to add on the balance of the stuff, which is a lot more work and gives us a very small marginal increase in results later on. But let's get the guts of the thing right. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?